Praise the Lord, I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson and I want to welcome you to the teaching on Romans that we're doing. And uh, I'm excited about it. This is our, our third session. Uh, we've covered, really, we're going kind of slow uh, because the whole Bible is tied together. So the first two sessions we covered verse 1 and verse 2. And today we'll back up, we'll read verses 1, 2, and then we'll get to 3 and we'll discuss that. I hope you would uh, really tune in on a regular basis and, and, and have an open heart to God for truth, to hear the word of the Lord as it is in truth. That means as it relates to Jesus Christ, which was really all the Apostle Paul was focused on in all his writings, no matter what they were about. His focus was Christ and Him crucified. And so today when we look at uh, the Scriptures here, uh, I want us to understand that Paul wrote this letter to the church in Rome. Uh, and, and one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful, uh, New Testament uh, portion of Scripture is found in Rome as, as Romans, as, as Roman, the book of Romans, the letter to the Roman church rather, it's where we find out how we learn how to live for God. Not all the things we should be doing, the New Testament is full of, but here is where, in this letter, is where we learn how to live for God, how to have victory over sin. And it's not in our doing, my friend. It's in the doing and the finished work of Jesus Christ. But in this letter... I want us to look at, and, and every time we open the Word of God, what we're looking for is a greater picture of Jesus, a greater revelation of Jesus, greater knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. So watch this as we back up today in, in verse 1 and read through verse 3. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And I, as I've continued to study this, and I, even though we've covered it, I, I, I see new things that I, I feel like the Lord wants me to share with you. And when Paul says he was separated unto the gospel of God. You know, if you think about it scripturally, Paul was separated, he says in Galatians, I believe it was 1.15, uh, that he was separated from his mother's womb. So that tells us he was separated by God before his conversion. And then he was separated, you know, by Christ at his conversion. And that scripture is in Acts 9 and 15, just covering some of these things that I've, I've recently studied uh, and, and seen as, as we are sharing this. And sometimes we have to back up because there's more to share and I'm excited about that. And we'll never cover it all because God's word is eternal. Even what Paul wrote is God's word and it's eternal. And I don't think we'll ever be able to expound on every bit of it on this side of, of glory. So praise God. We see, uh, we know Know that Paul was converted, converted, uh, you know, from his mother's womb, and he was also not converted, but separated from his mother's womb. He was separated uh, from uh, at the point of uh, when he met Christ on the road to Damascus, and then later he was also separated by the Holy Spirit. In that scripture is Acts thirteen and two, where they laid hands on them after understanding that the Holy Spirit was sending him and Barnabas out. And therefore, there were really three separations that took place. He was separated from his mother's womb, the Bible says, and he was separate. He was he was separated at his conversion. 
and he was separated after his conversion by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that's the story for all the children of God. God knew from the time we were in our womb that he had separated us to do the very works that he's ordained for us to walk in. And then there came the day of conversion that we were born again. And there also should be that day after that that comes when we're baptized with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the book of Acts teaches. And then we also have that mission, that separation uh, where we are separated unto the mission to present the gospel and to just share the gospel of Jesus Christ and, 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 and to find that personal ministry. No matter what that personal ministry is though, whether it be cleaning the church or a leader on the praise and worship platform or pastor of a church, whatever it might be out of the many things there are that God has his people to do, the focus of all ministry is to point to Christ with the way we live and love each other, with the words we speak and the direction we point with our faith. And that's always the sacrifice of Christ. Amen. Verse 2, which he had promised before by his prophets and the Holy Scriptures. And, and last week we, we talked about how down through the ages, beginning with God himself upon the fall of man, God uh, rushed into the garden and expound to Adam and Eve how there would be a seed of the woman come and crush the head of that old serpent, that devil, and he would bruise his heel, and that was the story of the cross. And then God himself turned and killed an animal, a couple of lambs probably, as that was a type and a shadow of what Christ would do for us at Calvary. And God killed the animals, and God clothed them with the skins of animals to typify and to symbolize that he would clothe us with his righteousness. It would be his work through the sacrifice and our simple faith in that. Not our works of any measure, just our simple faith in what God said and what God did to prove his word was correct, the giving of his son, and then our simple childlike faith in that and we would be made the righteousness of God and wear the robes of righteousness. Praise be to God. And when God gave that promise from that point on all through the ages, through the prophets, the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, God expounded and attempted to give them a little more light, a little more light until one day the light himself, Jesus Christ, showed up and died for us on the cross. And even John the Baptist would be the porter of the door for the shepherd who would point Jesus coming down the banks of Galilee and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then Jesus himself would show up and in John chapter 10 begin to reveal to the people there, the, the Pharisees, the false shepherds, the hirelings, that he was the good shepherd and that he would lay his life down for the sheep. He even pointed to the work of Calvary. So all through the scriptures, Scriptures, God has all by the prophets talked about what he says in verse 3 concerning his son. Remember, this is talking about the gospel of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the good news of God is that he would love us so much he gave his son. And the good news of Jesus Christ is that God loved us so much he gave his son for us and that his son, Jesus Christ, loved you so much he came and obeyed his father and laid his life down and took it up again. Praise God. But it's concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the the seed of David concerning the flesh. 
This means Jesus, although Joseph wasn't his father, the Holy Spirit placed Christ into the womb of Mary, into her body, and she gave birth, and their lineage traced back to David. And this is how he was born as a son of David, and then he recognized him that. And it was very important that Jesus be born in this lineage according to the flesh, according to who God gave his parents, his parents to be on this world. Again, let me reiterate and make sure that we understand Joseph was not his earthly father in the means that he brought him through reproduction into this world because he did not. He was born of a virgin, conceived of a virgin, uh, after that the Holy Spirit had overshadowed Mary when she believed the promise given her and she conceived and, and Jesus would be born through the Virgin Mary. But it was into a family, the lineage of David, and, and you need to understand that. That lineage is traced back. You can see it in the New Testament. And you can trace it all the way back uh, to David. And many would call Jesus the son of David. Have mercy on me. Because it was prophesied many scriptures in the Old Testament about a son being given. And this son would be the son of David. That David's throne would have an heir on it forever. And I'll share some scriptures with you. 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7 verses 12 through 16, the, day, the, the Bible says, And when thy days be fulfilled, speaking of David, and you shall sleep with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, yes, this is a, a one of those double reference prophetic scriptures where here he talks about a natural. Samuel would be born, to, uh, not Samuel. Uh, Solomon would be born to David, but also looking forward as not only the, the type and the shadow as the natural thing that would be happening, but that it would also refer to Christ one day who would be the king, the son of David forever on this throne. I will be his father and he shall be my son if he commits iniquity. Speaking of Solomon, because Christ would never, could never, uh, would never, he chose not to, lived a life without sin, praise be to God. I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men, but my my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before you. Thy throne shall be established forever. And there are many other scriptures in the Old Testament where the, the, David was promised a son that would reign on his throne forever. And you need to understand it was very important that Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, would show up as the son of David, the king of kings to reign on the throne forever. And although rejected by the Jewish people as a whole in that day, we've been studying chapter 10 of John's and he did lead out the sheep of Israel, the lost sheep of Israel. He did lead out a remnant of his flock in that day to, to, to make one new flock, which includes you and I, the church. Praise God. I'm excited about that. But I want to say something about why 
the religious leaders in Jesus' day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all the everything else that was there that would not accept him as the Son of God. <coughs> and I know we all through my life I've read John chapter six and where Jesus tells them, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you. And we claim that they didn't really understand that. <clears throat> and I don't really believe that. I know it was a hard saying, but I, but I don't really believe it. And this is why. I mean, I believe it was a hard saying, but I, but I also understand. I believe they understood to some degree what he was really saying there because John the Baptist uh, had already pointed him out as the Lamb of God to come to take away the sin of the world. That's two things. They knew that the Lamb offered at sacrifice was removing, was covering their sin, putting their sin away. And they, and they knew those two things, that the Lamb, the sacrifice, put their sin away. So when John the Baptist pointed Jesus out as the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world, they had to have some degree understood that he was talking about Jesus is the one, he is the Lamb of God promised, he is the one that's going to take the sin away. And, and the reason I say that they must have believed him, some did. If some believe, if some can see, that means all can see if they choose to believe. You know, we quote that scripture all the time, and we'll get back to this in just a minute uh, because I do want to show you why that's not why they left Jesus all but the 12 that day because that was a hard saying. It had something to do with them believing, not believing rather that he's the son of God, and I'll, and, and I'll show you that. Uh, but... Uh, well, let's look at that right now. In John 6, 65 and 66, Jesus said, Therefore I said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given to him of my Father. From that time, everybody say that time, that time. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. You see, that's what they could not accept that he was actually the Son from, of God from heaven. The Son of God from heaven. That's what they couldn't accept when he said that because they did not believe he was the Son of God sent from heaven. But again, listen carefully, some did. Some did. Remember, remember John 1 and 45, Philip says this to Nathaniel, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, listen, the son of Joseph. They knew he was the son of Joseph, but they accepted him also as the one the law had written about. So let me make this clear. If some could believe, all could believe. Now let me get back to going where I was going. And this is John 5 and 39. Let's just turn to John 5 and 39 so that we can see something today. It's about believing, my friend. God doesn't, for salvation, God's not going to sh show you and then you believe. You have to believe to see, not see to believe. You have to believe to see. The Bible says, Jesus telling Nicodemus, you, you can't enter the kingdom or even see it until you're born again, and you're only born again by believing. 
We believe to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We see only when we believe. So for a long time we've quoted John 5 and 39, but we need to start adding verse 40 because it's a great revelation for those who are walking in the truth or those who need to be walking in the truth if they will just believe in Jesus. Watch this. Jesus' teaching here, he says... And he's talking again to these unbelievers, these these Jewish religious leaders that were supposed to be the leaders, the shepherds over Israel. Watch this in John 5 and 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. The Word of God cannot produce life unless it comes through Jesus Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus even taught this again in another place where He said when the Comforter, the Spirit of truth comes, He's going to reveal truth to you. Remember, it's the Spirit of life, the Holy Spirit. The only way He can impart life is through Uh, uh, revealing Christ in Him crucified to us, the avenue by which life came to us and we were born again through our faith in the one that never sinned but became our sin offering that we might have a life abundantly and everlasting and we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. But yet though we're born again and walking by faith, faith is not something we just say I'm walking by. Faith We see by faith, we walk by faith, we live by faith means we live according to the Word of God that we're accepting as truth in our hearts. Amen. If if there's no obedience to the Word, then saying I'm living by faith is not really living by faith. I was saved by faith and it was the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave Himself for me through my belief in His sacrifice. Hallelujah. If that's where my faith remains, then that avenue of grace that came through his tasting of death for me on the cross, Hebrews 2, 9, continues to flow in my life and I continue to live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2, 20. Very important. So let's hear something today. Maybe we've not heard. Maybe we've not grasped like we should grasp this. How many of you know... Christians are to be growing in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not this grace, that grace, not this knowledge, that knowledge. The knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The knowledge of who He is, the grace that He tasted of by death that flows through our faith in His death. We're to grow in that. If you'll remember in Galatians uh, chapter 2, you can read about Peter jumping up due to fear gripping his heart, running away from his Gentile brothers and sisters there because he feared the Jews that came from James's church. But here again, he goes back under law in the twinkling of an eye. And here again, we have a great example of Paul knew what was going on in that second chapter of Galatians. He says, but when I saw 
that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I rebuked Paul before them all. I'm sorry, I rebuked Peter to his fate before them all and began to have to explain again that we're not justified by law. That's because he'd gone back under law. My point is this. Even the great Peter preached at Pentecost, 3,000 saved. Before that, asked by Jesus after his resurrection three times, do you love me? Okay, if you do, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Okay, if you do, feed my sheep. Okay, feed my sheep. And all the great stories, but here's Peter, obviously, going back under law because fear gripped his heart of the people under law. Paul didn't go back. They were both Jews. Peter and Paul were both Jews. But Paul stands his ground. Why Why did Paul, how was Paul, here it comes, how did Paul continue to live for God when he'd been left by Peter and Barnabas even followed Peter into that dissimulation, the Bible says there. That condemnation, that deceitful move in their hearts. But Paul stood his ground. How? Because he was determined to not allow his faith to be moved from the cross to any other thing. Peter was still yet a little unsure, even though he had a vision that the Gentiles were clean, watched Cornelius at his preaching be saved and baptized with the Holy Spirit while he was preaching, even with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, the book of Acts teaches for those who are Bible believers. And yet seeing all that, he was still in a place where we have to admit that we are as well. We're still growing. Peter was still growing. We can't be too hard on Peter, although he had to be rebuked by Paul because Paul was determined to know nothing else. Paul had already learned that when he tried to live according to the commandment, that sin would revive and it would demolish him. It would would destroy him. Living under the law brings condemnation and death, or it is a ministry of death. Praise God. So when Peter jumps up, runs to the other side of the room to get away to the Gentiles, can't be seen with them, they're not as good and as high up as we are, Paul didn't go because Paul had a greater revelation of Jesus and what had actually took place through the life and the death of Jesus, the death of Jesus mainly, than Peter had. I believe Peter caught on to that later in the New Testament. Peter would write that uh, some rest, W-R-E-S-T, twist uh, the scriptures even as they do. Uh, he Actually, he said this, that some of Paul's writings are hard to understand and some twist them as they do the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Peter come to the point where he, he accepted what Paul was writing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit as scriptures as well, equated them as the scriptures. And you need to also, my friend. And I believe Peter was able to grow uh, of the Lord as the Lord rebuked uh, Peter through Paul. If it would have been okay to do what Peter had done, God wouldn't have used Paul to rebuke Peter. He would have just said, okay, just let it go. It'll be okay. But no, there are ministries raising up all over uh, the world today who are bringing 
by the power of the Holy Spirit, not an ugly, shouldn't be ugly, obnoxious, just should be a referring back to what the Scriptures have said, a reminder that you and I can go under the law in the twinkling of an eye and probably do more often than we'd like to admit. And the Holy Spirit comes with that rebuke, not a sledgehammer, not condemnation, but that loving rebuke, that call back to grace, or a reminder that Jesus came to deliver those, to redeem those who are under the law, to get us out of that so that we can live in liberty and freedom, praise be to God. But back to John 5 and 39, because we're in verse 3 of Romans 1, where Paul writes here and says, Concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made according to the uh, seed of David, according to the flesh. And John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus lets them know, you search in the Scriptures, for in them you say you have life, but they are they which testify of me. He says, but you will not come to me that you might have this life that's found in the Scriptures concerning me. See, this proves a valid point that you desperately need to know. Faith in God's Word outside of faith in what He did for you at Calvary is not really faith in God's Word at all. Because Jesus says the Word testifies of Him. doesn't testify of all these other things we try to preach and we've taught through the years. Jesus would say to all the pastors today, all the under-shepherds who would have ears to hear today, if you're going to preach my Word, you're going to have to preach my Son. Because if faith is going to be legitimate, it's going to have to be in what my son did at Calvary. Or it can't even be in my word. The, God's word has to be seen through the blood. If it's not, we'll take scriptures like Mark 16, 16 that says, uh, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. And we'll take that and we'll add the work, the work our works of bat, water baptism into that. And then we'll start entire denominations and get to the point where we say, like the Pharisees and the, and the legalists, the legalists of that day, if you're not water baptized, my friend, you're lost. See, they said that in Acts 15 in verse 1. The Judaizers, the legalists, people who were bound under law, they wouldn't accept Christ. They said, you're not even saved unless you're circumcised and follow the teaching of Moses, the law. It's what they said in Acts 15.1. And people are all over the world today in every city, in every town, even every small little town in America. There's a group of people somewhere still teaching you got to do something to be saved. And that throws their, their context, that throws the context, that throws the, the revelation of all the scriptures in a twisted place. And, and, and Peter said when we twist the scriptures, it's to our own destruction. See, we have to see the Scriptures through Christ who is our life, our avenue of life, which is what He did at Calvary. We have to see through the blood. And if, and if we would look through the blood, when we would read Scriptures like Mark 16, 16, we would see the Bible says there, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. We would know already because... We're not saved by any works that we do, Titus 3 and 5, and Ephesians, praise God. We already know that we can't work for salvation. We can't play any part. We cannot play any part of our salvation 
except faith in Christ. That's it. And someone might say, well, that's very limited. Yeah, it's limited to the riches in glory that are found in Christ through faith in His sacrifice. Hallelujah. What kind of limit barrier is that? That I have now access to all things that belong to Christ through simple childlike faith in what He did for me at Calvary? He came as the son of David, born of a virgin. Hallelujah. In that lineage that God had set apart long ago, long ago to bring that lineage right up to the fruition of why he called that people to bring the Messiah in to fulfill the promise of David and thousands of more promises to bring a redeemer on the scene praise be to God and they would and those that had ears to hear would call him oh thou son of David that's who he is praise be to God but if we're not seeing the scriptures through the blood We're not living by faith. Faith cannot be legitimate. Jesus proves that right here. You you, you have the scriptures. You say that you find life in the scriptures, but they're testifying of me. But you won't come to me. And many say, well, I've come to Christ. If you hadn't come to Christ through simple faith in the cross alone for salvation, you add to that, you've not yet come to Christ. Coming to Christ is a denial of self and a denial of all that I would try to bring and and play a part in the salvation. I must deny myself, take up my cross daily and follow Him. See, my cross is faith in His cross which will not allow any works of mine to play a part of that. Hebrews 1 and 3 says, When He had by Himself purged me from my sins. Glory to God. I thank God that I'm free, that I don't have to wake up every morning wondering, have I done enough? Uh, Go to bed every night in fear wondering, have I done enough? I'm not doing as much as them, but oh, thank God I'm doing more than them. And we, that's law. We live in that place where, where that fear of not doing enough and fear, uh, you know, and all these, the, the, this uh, pride of I'm doing more than them. That's, happening more often than we'd like to admit. But thanks be to God, if we'll just come back to simple faith in this one that Paul called the son of David, born into the family of David, a promise fulfilled that Jesus would be king. Sit on David's throne forever and ever and ever. My friend, he's coming soon. He's coming soon to sit on the throne in Jerusalem for a thousand years. You ever think about that? Jesus is going to sit on a throne in Jerusalem as the son of David. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, king of kings, lord of lords. He's not going to have a senate or a congress. He's not going to have all the things the world thinks it needs today. His government will be upon his shoulders. All the government of all the world will rest upon his shoulders. And we will be His ambassadors. We will be His ambassadors. And I thank God. Tune in next week right here. Grab your pencil and paper. Bring your Bibles. Every Monday and every Thursday, we upload these messages to my YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. Avail yourself to the Word of God that's being taught in this ministry in truth and watch the Holy Spirit do mighty things in your life. As the light gets brighter and brighter, His name's Jesus. I'll see you next week. God bless you.